It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is Scott Robin. He's creator of VitalVegas.com. It's a website devoted to all things Las Vegas. Previously, Scott created the official blog for Caesars Entertainment, named the best blog in the country in PR Daily's Digital PR and Social Media Awards. He's an accomplished photographer. He's a book author. He does all kinds of stuff. For everything about Scott Robin, go to VitalVegas.com and follow him on Twitter at VitalVegas. And Scott, welcome back to the show, although it's been several years. It is. I can't believe it's been that long. And thank you for not adding heavy drinker to my list of <laughs> attributes. I appreciate you leaving that out. Pro, not a problem. I think uh, that will happen after we're done with the show. Then we will we will talk about that <laughs> <laughs> or imbibe one of the two things. But uh, what what has intrigued me about you when I first you had you on the show, you were just starting out. The, the website had just gotten going. Uh, maybe about three, four months, if I remember correctly, memory serves, which it never does with me at at this stage. And so all these years later, you've become a vital resource for people that want to find out about tips and scoops and what's going on in Las Vegas, the good and the bad of it. Do you see yourself changing as a result of the site changing and the number of people that come to the site and to follow you on Twitter because of what's going on after all those years? You know, it's it's really uh, fascinating, and even if it had happened to someone else, I would still find it fascinating. <laughs> it's even more fascinating than it happened to me, because my intention when I started out was really just to give people a better experience, a better Vegas visit, kind of those, you know, here's a good restaurant, here's a good show, this show open, this show closed. It was pretty straightforward kind of just basic information. I didn't, I wasn't all that connected here in town. The transformation has really happened in the way people consume news. Um, uh, as you may or may not know, Sheldon Adelson, a uh, big force here in Vegas, buys the Las Vegas Review Journal. There was a huge change at this paper. This is the paper of record. There's also Las Vegas Sun. There's Las Vegas Weekly, some of these publications. They, just over time, there really is this information vacuum. And for better or worse, it has fallen to social media and kind of, I guess you would call them citizen journalists. I don't call myself a journalist. I'm kind of more of just a muckraker. I like to stir things up and share things of interest. But over time, my sources have become just amazing. And I don't really know what their motivations are most of the time. They kind of just like shaking things up. They like taking the power away from these kind of traditional media outlets. They like bypassing public relations. And so they give me the most amazing scoop. The level of information is amazing. The details is absolutely amazing to me. And I'm just the conduit and I'm sharing it and I'm doing it in a way that's snarky. And I think uh, people find it interesting, but ultimately it's these sources who are they're so generous, and they are everywhere. There are eyes and ears everywhere. And it's taken a few years, like since we talked last. I can really see how uh, a real journalist would develop those kind of sources and contacts over time. And it's just maybe a new one every month. But over time, cumulatively, if I hear a, um, a rumor, I'm just calling a contact or a contact's reaching out to me. They're giving me a document or 
or some bit of scoop. And it's, it really has changed in a fundamental way how people get information, how they consume information, and it has decentralized the power when it comes to disseminating information. And, and I'm breaking stories pretty much every week now, sometimes national and internationally. Elon Musk is building a tunnel here. I broke that story. There's a Google data center uh, here in Las Vegas. Correct. Henderson right. broke that story. Like these stories, the name of the Sahara broke that story too. It's beyond uh, what I ever expected to do. And to be honest, I don't really spend a ton of time on my blog anymore. It's more about microblogging and tweeting and getting the news out because that's what people want. Uh, that's what they enjoy. And I'm better at it than a lot of these professional journalists. Uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not too shy to say that. And it, it's super fun for me. There's some risk there because it's very high visibility. And, you know, a lot of tweet impressions, like 15 million tweet impressions a month. I only have 30,000 followers, but that's an incredible number. And, it, you know, you can measure a level of interest and engagement just by the simple metrics of likes and retweets and tweet impressions. And, and it's very interesting to see that the traditional sources of information, they'll get a like or two or five. And I share a similar scoop or better scoop, and I've got 100 likes, and I'm getting 50 and 60,000 tweet impressions from a tweet. So it says a lot about Vegas. It says a lot about how the media works. It says a lot about social media as well. But I'm just having a great time. This is a hobby for me. And so that's a long answer to a short question. But it has certainly been an evolution that has been interesting on my part. Well, also, you inadvertently became very profound by talking about the vacuum created, even though I don't think you completed the thought totally, so I'll complete it for you and you correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's that with the consolidation of newspapers and other media, you said that there was a vacuum, but you didn't quite explain why there was a vacuum. But the point is, I assume that there's a lot of safe news out there. And that's sort of been the traditional Las Vegas approach anyway. And I mean, there have always been columnists for both the RJ and the Las Vegas Sun that would go and get stories. But with social media, especially in the last 10, 15 years, taking on its own universe, you, as you mentioned, you now have your own sources. They don't have to worry about trying to get to a columnist or somebody at a paper or at a TV station or a radio station. They could go to you and they could just simply email you and it doesn't have to be as an example, from the resort where they work, they could be a, at home in their personal email sending you a, a tip, which you can then follow up on. And through the speed of light and the internet, you all of a sudden have a, a major scoop that becomes national or international. And then, of course, you get the credit. You don't get the money, but you get the credit from all these various <laughs> media. <laughs> I know yeah, that's I, I, oh. I turn down money because. Uh, you know, I have a day job. I uh, do I do marketing uh, for downtown Las Vegas, but I this is fun for me. And taking money, putting ads on my site, it's just you know selling merchandise. I I just have no real interest in that. Uh, it's, that's not really what it's about. I do this for fun. Anytime you take money for something fun, it just becomes less fun to me. So, but I I think you touched on a really great point because I don't know overall. You know, the, the trend in journalism, I think it's a bit of a mess because the financial model has fallen apart. But what has happened here in Las Vegas is it has consolidated. The diversity of publications has fallen away. Several print publications have just disappeared. Uh, Vegas 7 magazine has gone. A number of them have gone away. 
And what has also happened in the Review Journal, they lose about a million dollars a year from what I've heard. So even though they have this mega billionaire owner, they're still working at a loss and they're understaffed. And many of them are younger uh, because the salaries are lower. They don't have a huge wealth of editorial expertise and oversight on the management level. And they just have a different set of priorities. And they really are not being very uh, nimble when it comes to changing demands. They're trying to do social, but they do it horribly. They don't get that that's how people want to consume news. They don't want to, they don't want to read the same story in 20 publications because they waited for the news release to come out. They want to know what's happening next. They want to know before everybody else, and that's what I deliver. I deal with rumors sometimes, which a journalist tends to not share because they they have to do layers of verification. But I share it, and it's in the spirit of this is fun to talk about. And ultimately, if a rumor pans out, that's exciting. If it doesn't pan out, sometimes those are just interesting to talk about. It's kind of more of a what if. So I'm not constrained by those same, um, as some people would say, journalistic standards or ethics. I choose to say I'm not I'm not handcuffed by uh, you know to to be slow and to do multiple verifications, get people talking on the record. Like you said, somebody sends me a tip. Sometimes I'll float it just to see if 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 a hotel will respond and say it's true or false. Sometimes I'll float a rumor that uh, I can't verify, but Somebody somewhere knows something, and my audience now is so broad, somebody's going to chime in and say, yep, I heard that too, or I can confirm that, or I'm going to tell you flat out it's not true. One of the recent ones, tons of scoop about uh, SLS and the Sahara, which is going to be the Sahara now. Uh, I had heard the roller coaster would be coming back. Apparently, someone that was in those meetings said that they were moving forward with it, and the hotel said it's not happening. So I'm happy to hear that, too. But it's all just part of the Vegas conversation, which is really interesting to me. Sure. And with roller coasters, you have the up and down of it. So, Hello. Uh, oh, sorry. I couldn't resist that <laughs> pun. Well, here's the thing, too. When you contact somebody in the, one of the properties to ask them whether this particular rumor is true or not, I would think that, let's go back five, six years ago, they may not necessarily get back to you. But given your following now, I would imagine that you do get, if it's not from one of the top executives, you'll get it from the PR department or an outside PR agency, either trying to confirm it for you or not, because they don't want it out there if it's incorrect. And they do want it out there if it's correct, even if you're ahead of the curve with announcing it. Yeah, there there was definitely more of that. But you would be surprised how unresponsive people in public relations are, <laughs> especially at the casinos. They would rather have a, a false rumor out there than, than acknowledge that you exist. It's a very strange relationship because they, uh, I got into a big fight with the Sahara SLS because I was sharing scoop. They really did not uh, want out there the p- person or handling their PR actually wrote me a very nasty text saying I was ruining everything. So uh, to be perfectly honest, I often will bypass the casino PR machine completely. I won't even ask if it's true or not. I do some appearances on the local TV. And when I do stories there, they are free to go try and verify and get statements. But that often does not come back to me thing that you're tapping into definitely is everybody watches this account. So in public relations at every casino, 
many of the top level executives, vice president, that that level uh, executive, I know for a fact, watch the account. They follow the account. They often do not chime in, but they are all watching it. And I hear that from people inside these companies saying, you're driving them crazy, <laughs> sharing stuff they'd rather not have out there. You're getting some of it wrong, but you're getting way too much of it right. Some of it is stuff that has never been reported. Even after I report it, it's not reported because it's just stuff that they are not comfortable sharing. There, there's just a lot of stories in Vegas. That's kind of my one of the drums that I beat is there's always more to this story. And sometimes the story will be reported kind of in a superficial level, kind of like this show closed. Ten minutes later, I have the scoop on why. I have a scandal. I have some personalities involved. I have some financial details. And sometimes I even get cease and desist letters because um, kind of my sources are really good. So they get very nervous, whether it's a show or a restaurant or a casino. So there's a bit of responsibility that goes with this, of course. I act like I'm just kind of out there, you know, a loose cannon. I'm not. I, I take it seriously. I try not to perpetuate uh, things that are false, obviously. But I'm definitely constantly looking to push the limit. And I, I'm just trying to make it fun. You know, ultimately, that's my goal. The, the original goal was make this fun for people visiting Las Vegas. And that's still my goal. Part of the fun is getting scooped before anybody else. Sure. And having served on both sides of the aisle, so to speak, meaning on the PR side and on the broadcast and media side, I always approached it when I was on the PR side and still am on the PR side, that if there is an issue out there, then it, you should address it one way or the other. You can't just ignore it because then the narrative is lost at that point. But that's just my philosophy. So, No, I think do? that is the, the best practices, but... Casino PR is 10 years behind the curve on that perception, to be honest. Uh, the, the folks that are doing PR, they have come up in a system that perpetuates, if you don't say anything, it didn't happen. Uh, there's been a couple of stories just in the last year or so that did, would never have seen the light of day. and They would prefer that it never came out. Um, I got a tip from somebody that at Hell's Kitchen at Caesar's Palace, this is Gordon Ramsay's restaurant, that two people had been set on fire uh, and by a cocktail. And it was one of those fancy cocktails where they do the smoke and they light the liquor on top and it spilled and it, it got all over them and they caught on fire. So I immediately tweeted that. I said, it's, I've heard that this has happened. It became a national story because it's at Hell's Kitchen, a fire-themed restaurant, and people had been set on fire. <laughs> Uh, so that's one of those stories that they just would never want out there. Uh, they would not, after the fact, they acknowledged it after other media outlets had picked up on it. But it, it's a very interesting relationship in, in Las Vegas because they are all about controlling the message 100%. And they're very uncomfortable. I don't get invited to a lot of openings of things because they, they're not really thrilled about somebody just giving an honest opinion. They, they want people who are going to say what they want them to say. So that you are absolutely right that that should be the philosophy, especially now, because the, the illustration that I used was for this uh, Sahara rebrand announcement. I looked on their video, and it had been seen by a few hundred people. And I looked at my tweets had been seen by 340,000 people. So my 
argument with them was, yeah, sometimes this news is uncomfortable and you'd rather not have the scoop out there, but you better figure out how to work with people in social media because that influence is undeniable. That reach is undeniable. I'm never going to like hold it over their heads, but I'm also going to say, why didn't you invite me? You didn't invite me to your announcement because I had announced the name prior. That's what, you know, so I'm blacklisted because of that. It makes no sense. I, I have a hundred times the reach of your own <laughs> social media channels. Why wouldn't you use that and work with me? And yes, it's annoying, but that's just the mod- you know what it is? Yeah. That's how, that's the landscape now. So you can either put your head in the sand or you can figure out how to work with people that are doing this. And I tell them, I'm always available. I'm not even going to say what you want me to say, but I'm, I'm willing to work with you. Right. I'm not on your PR team. That's the thing I have to keep reminding them about. They're like, why couldn't you have just you know, kept this so it would be a surprise? I said, because I'm not working for you. I'm not on your PR team. I'm going to have no obligation to keep something a secret. So you've got to figure that out. And it, I, that is so tough. I did PR for 10 years uh, at the Writers Guild of America. So I've, I've been on the other side, too, and I get the frustrations of that. And I get that it can feel like it's negative, but I'm telling you, buzz is buzz. And it's worse to be ignored, and it's, it's, it is worse to just be part of the white noise. So that's my two cents on that. Well, let's take a break. My guest is Scott Robin. He's creator of VitalVegas.com. It's a website devoted to all things Las Vegas. For everything about Scott and Las Vegas, go to VitalVegas.com. And also, as important, follow him on Twitter at VitalVegas because you get the little tidbits there as opposed to going to the site. But do both. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. You've seen mobsters and cops face off on the big screen. You've heard the legends of Al Capone and Elliot Ness. But how much do you know about what really happened? Dive into the true stories behind the myths of organized crime and law enforcement at the Mob Museum, the country's finest collection of mob artifacts, history, and interactive exhibits. Find out more and get tickets at themobmuseum.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with Scott Robin. He's the creator of VitalVegas.com, a website devoted to all things Las Vegas. Previously, Scott created the official blog for Caesars Entertainment, was named the best blog in the country in PR Daily's Digital, PR, and Social Media Awards. And he is a photographer, book author, and all kinds of stuff. For everything about Scott Robin and Las Vegas, go to VitalVegas.com and follow him on Twitter at VitalVegas. And just to, to put a cap on what we were talking about, public relations and in the casino PR world, it is an insular world, just as the Hollywood PR scene is an insular world. But I would say, just because I've been in town a long time, I think it was worse in the 70s and 80s in terms of information getting out or no information getting out, depending on the situation, because we're now living in a much more, as you talked about it, transparent world, unintentionally transparent world, with all of various platforms that are out there, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc. Right. I, I think you're right. And uh, because I'm, in some ways, I'm forcing their hand, you know, people that are in social media and people just having that ready availability of how they can, if they go and they see something happen at a show, 
and somebody got hit on the head, that's never going to be in a news release, but they're going to put it on their Facebook page. That could be something viral. So it's kind of forcing your hand. You know, it happens quite frequently that it's just an individual story that will find its way to me or, or into social media in general. And those stories get out, but I'm telling you, there's so many stories that never see the light of day. There's, I shared a statistic the other day that like a thousand visitors a year um, die. One of those happy-go-lucky tidbits that I share. And you realize, <laughs> you know, how seldom stories are told about suicide or murders or death right. kind of related to the strip. That It's a company town. I totally get that you want to kind of protect the image of the town. But there, if with 42 million people coming to this town a year, things are going to happen. So there's a level of, of they can't stop it, but there's also a ton of stories that never get told. There are scandals that I have heard of that I've never been able to share because I don't really have lawyers. I don't want to get sued, but it's unbelievable. And so here's a perfect example. The Me Too movement. The Me Too movement in Hollywood, which was considered one of the most insular communities in the world, blew up. It drove the conversation about women and how women are being treated in that culture, and it blew up. And, there, and it continues even now. This is some time uh, of these revelations, people being taken down for better or worse, I think most for better. In Las Vegas, total, there's been one person who has been accused of misconduct, who has stepped down from his position. Steve Wynn is the only person who has been outed for his awful behavior, and it exists in every casino. It's literally one guy who, who has been the focus of this, and it's absurd and it's outrageous. On the other hand, Scott, the, the one guy happens to be one of the top guys in Las Vegas. So, it is true. What yeah. an icon of Las Vegas. It's the one guy. Right. There are other people who are not as well known. And it's, we're not talking about uh, kind of one-off things. We're talking about years and decades of behavior that is still being covered up because they'll leave their position and go to another hotel. It's, it is absurd and it's ridiculous and it's sad. So I don't mean to disagree with you because you're right overall. There are so many channels that information can come out, but Vegas is really, really good at keeping things under wraps. Now, people listening to you for the first time might think you were negative about Las Vegas, but in fact, you're not <laughs> negative about Las Vegas. And the reason good I point. the reason that I know you're not negative about Las Vegas is when you came on in the show and again six years ago. It's amazing to me. It was it was November the seventh, two thousand thirteen. Oh yeah, and you took on this at the time, blog and website, because you, here's what you told me. And I, and I think it's true to this day. You have a passion for it. You like to present the information with a certain irreverence. You have a certain perspective. You know, it's not the PR approach, which you said earlier in our conversation, but you still have this passion for it. And you wouldn't be doing it if Las Vegas wasn't a very unusual place to be. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I completely concur with that, and you're exactly right. Passion can go in a number of directions. <laughs> so if I get if I get worked up about something like oh I don't know a plastic straw ban because that's ruining my experience, I get whipped up about that. But absolutely, the thing that has sustained me is a love of this destination, of this place, 
of the casino culture. I love the bells and lights and noise and drinking as much as I ever did. And that it's absolutely right that that uh, it, it can veer down a couple of paths. But the paths I always try to remind myself about is there's a lot of people coming to Vegas for the first time or they just, they don't care about all that other stuff. Right. They care about is where's a good room rate. What's, how do I find a loose slot machine? What, what's the best cocktail? What's a good restaurant? I do all that too. Right. And to cover all the bases. (laughs) (laughs) One other term that you talked about it in our original discussion was authenticity. Again, you're being yourself when you're writing about these things and I, there's a very controversial issue, at least you'll understand when I, when I say controversial, because for people like you and me, this drives us crazy, and there's two elements to this. One is the resort fee, and one is the parking fee. Because <laughs> yeah. there's been some speculation, even within Vital Vegas, about whether these will eventually go away, especially the parking part, which drives locals crazy. Right. And uh, so, well, it's interesting that you reminded me that I go negative sometimes. And this is very negative. I know, but uh, it's an important issue, I think. <laughs> no, I think it's huge, hugely important. And I think it's, you mentioned locals. Uh, I, that's a small part of it for the strip because the strip, uh, locals maybe account for 5% of that business. Right. So for them, locals, they're kind of important, but not really. But I think what's getting uh, more on the, the radar of the casinos is there is a constant, uh, just a constant ongoing upset over those fees. And the minute that parking became paid parking, I think that was a pivotal moment in in history for Las Vegas because for the last few years, visitation has been flat or down. That has never really happened in the history of Vegas other than like during the the you know the financial crisis but other than that other than a couple of small blips the visitation has always gone up uh but i think it has to do with a perception of nickel and diming yes people pay for parking everywhere else but it's not a vegas thing and resort fees for whatever reason they exist elsewhere but it's been pinned to las vegas and i believe it's a deterrent to people visiting it's not really about the dollar amount of a resort fee. It's that it's considered a hidden fee. And a parking fee is just an annoying fee. Then there's other fees. There's the concession fee and there's the venue fee. And there's, you know, there's the, uh, there's the Fiji water fee because in your <laughs> minibar, a Fiji water is $20. That perception of those fees and that nickel and diming and those little hidden charges and surcharges – over time, I hear it every day, and the casinos don't really get it. They think it's room occupancy, or we don't have enough events, or we have the wrong kind of events. They don't really get that this is eroding interest in the destination overall. So I keep beating that drum, too. I'm, I'm like, as a destination, casinos have to get it together. And, and that goes all the way down to their shows, uh, you know, when there's when you buy a $50 ticket and there's another $30 in service fees and charges, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. So the town as a whole really has to grapple with that perception of Vegas and its long-term perception as a value destination. That doesn't mean it's cheap, but that it's, you're getting value for the money. No, that that's a spend. good point. We only have about a minute left, Scott. So I want you to tell me the most positive thing about Las Vegas, the thing that you love most about Las Vegas. Well, I uh, did a tweet the other day, and I kind of tapped into my my inner love of Vegas. And I said, 
Vegas is not just a place you go. It's a vacation from ourselves. And for me, that is really a pivotal thing about Las Vegas is we get to come and be that person we can't necessarily be with our family or at home or in our job. You get to let loose. You get to indulge in fantasies. You get to win a million dollars sometimes. You sometimes lose, but you get to have fun along the way. And I think that for me, that's what keeps me excited about this town is you get to be who you want to be. You get an escape from you. You get an escape from your life, from all those obligations and responsibilities, and you get to come just have fun. Well, that was profound and also a great way to end it. My guest has been Scott Robin. He's the creator of VitalVegas.com, a website devoted to all things Las Vegas. For everything about Scott Robin and Las Vegas, go to VitalVegas.com and follow him on Twitter at VitalVegas. Scott, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, and don't wait so long to have me back on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Thanks. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Be Las Vegas. Anything you want us to be.